Well, welcome to the Vineyard. Happy Palm Sunday. Welcome online, you that are watching with us. I regret that we were unable to ship online. Maybe we'll do it this week. We'll do it this week. We'll work on our online. Let us know you're watching online. You don't want to miss this free pack of Tic Tacs that everybody in the church, if you didn't get one, if you didn't get one, you got missed and you're going to need this. We determined there was somebody in the church had some brutal bad breath. And we didn't want to point that individual out. So we thought we'd blame everybody, be politically correct, and not offend anybody. But everybody gets bad breath Tic Tacs. But that's not what it's for. I'm just kidding. So, but you are going to need them later. And you'll feel left out if you didn't. So if you missed, got missed on a Tic Tac, hold up your hand and your wife can't hold it for you. So you need your own. Everybody gets their own Tic Tac box at the vineyard. So we go all out. Also, uh, just to celebrate 900 free vineyard blessed hot dogs last night at bike night. That's a lot of pigs. I figure you got, I don't know how many pigs died for our church to have that bike night and bless me. But you know, it, it's just such a presence in the community. Keep your hands up if you need a tic-tac box. Uh, you, everybody gets to play at the vineyard, so you need one. Um, so we had a great night. Thank you that served and blessed and just let people know God. Just a simple reminder with a hot dog at God loves you no strings attached and uh, so we celebrate 900 hot dogs that's like on your way out this morning there's a book uh, that you might want to get it's called pulling each other along 31 inspirational stories of human kindness and it's it's just there i'm i know one story out of the 31 and his story is so amazing he's part of our church his name is jay lawrence he's been uh uh overcoming a spinal cord injury for 20 plus years and uh, uh from a car accident uh and he, he runs a, a, a semi-pro football team locally. Uh, he's he just a, we have group at his house and uh, or at his uh, house with his brother and sister-in-law. And, and so his chapter's in there. These are Jay's uh, books that he's selling for 15 apiece. It's worth way more than that, hardback cover. They're inspirational stories. One guy in here has played high school football with no legs beyond his knees, played defensive lineman. You had a guy in here that pitched with one arm and made it to the uh, major leagues. They're just stories of people that have limitations in the natural that God does amazing things. And so on your way out, all the proceeds will go to foster kids. And so Jay's giving, he's not making money from his uh, uh, part of the book. And, And then one other celebration note that you might want to participate in. Uh, we're making a fundraiser to, uh, she happens to be with us uh, this morning. Roxy, I see you're here somewhere. Uh, you're back over here. But uh, she's been battling diabetes and had has had multiple, multiple surgeries, health issues, had to lose part of her leg. Her eyesight is severely affected. And, and she's unable to get to places because she needs a vehicle that's wheelchair uh, accessible. And uh, because of her age being young, younger, she's not able to get the, the Medicare help where they would send vehicles to help get you to different places. So we're raising money uh, to get a, a, a vehicle 
uh, with whatever the Lord can provide. If you know of a vehicle, some of you that are searchers, uh, you, know, you want to go searching, find us one. Uh, but we're at about $9,000 right now. It's going to take at least uh, twenty. Uh, to 25 to find a used. They're very expensive. So uh, let us know if you'd like to give to that. Just put uh, van or van fund on your check. You can put it in the box on your way out or you can give online uh, to that. Like I said, we're, we're, we've already gone over uh, $9,000. And so uh, we're pretty excited about uh, what God is doing in that. By the way, next week is Easter. It's a big day. It's, a, it's kind of the church's version of Super Bowl, okay, with a lot deeper meaning, you know. And, and, and I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. Our team wins, okay. So we're not hoping for Jesus. Come on, let's hope Jesus. Go, Jesus, go. Go, Jesus. You know, Jesus already won. He's already conquered death, and we're going to celebrate next week. And I'll just encourage you to find some people that you have connections with or contact with and just say, hey, you got anywhere to go on Easter? And if they say, yeah, I go to this church, just bless them, say, have a great Easter. But if they don't have anywhere to go, say, hey, why don't you join me at the vineyard? They can come have a, a free breakfast. Uh, you can act like you provided the breakfast for them. That's okay. We'll give you credit. We don't care. And, 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 and you... We want to just pack the place out. Uh, we just believe it's going to be a great day uh, next week, Easter weekend. It's always a big time uh, in all churches, but at the Vineyard, God just seems to do exceptional things among us. This morning, we got a baptism at the end of the message. Uh, it's going to be exciting for those getting baptized. Might even be someone here, like in the last service, that didn't come planning on being baptized. But they just decided it's time to go public and follow Jesus all the way. And they got baptized. I think we had two, two of them, I think, uh, spontaneously came and, and got baptized. And it was really powerful. And so uh, we got a bunch uh, in this service. So we're going to celebrate that. The children will come in at the end of the message and join us. And so, you know, as Pastor Kim read this morning, it's Palm Sunday. It's the last, it's celebrating the last week of Jesus' life. He came into Jerusalem as a king, but not like an ordinary king. An ordinary king would have come with, a, with warriors and soldiers and, and, and on a white horse or, or and Jesus comes on a donkey. I mean, it was like he was from, you know, Immokalee and, and, or Alva. He, he just from Alva. Jesus was from Alva. He came on a donkey. No king. He's a different kind of king. He's not a king whose troops came with swords. They had palm branches. You got one of those little crosses there. Uh, we made him, uh, someone made them in the church into uh, crosses. And, and so just a reminder to you that this week we celebrate, and, and Friday night, I forgot to mention this in the first service. Friday night we have a night of uh, prayer and worship up here. Uh, some of us will fast during the day on Friday, and at 7 o'clock Friday night we'll be up here, and we'll be praying for God's Holy Spirit to move on us and other churches on Easter. And so Friday night, mark it down join us. But Jesus comes as a different kind of king. He comes in gentleness. What king does that? You know, it, 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 he, he's mocked as he comes in and he doesn't blind their eyes. He doesn't, his, his troops are waving palm branches. What an army. You know, he, he's going to end up on a bloody cross with a, with a king's crown of thorns. No king wanted to wear thorns rammed into his head and bleeding, and he dies uh, on a cross. The ways that God does things are so far beyond and different than the way we would do things and the way 
the world tries to accomplish power and success. And this morning, I want to kind of use as a backdrop to how Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey is the way God wins battles. And we're going to be in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua, chapter 6. Pastor Jason spoke last week about, uh, in chapter 5, that Joshua, the leader of Israel, uh, met this angel, he thought, but it turned out to be Jesus uh, before he came to earth as a human. He was the captain of the Lord's army, had a sword, and he tells Joshua, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. And he worshiped Jesus in that moment of preparation. He's about to lead his nation into their first battle to claim the promised land. You know, if you fast forward the tape, what's happening in Joshua has changed the course of history because Israel as a nation is being established by this first victory at Jericho. And what has happened with the nation of Israel is no other nation is like it. It's always the center and the bullseye. If you want to know the future and where it's going, whatever's going on in Ukraine and what, it's going to make its way towards Israel. It's just it's just a, a strategic tiny spot that all major religions, the the Muslims, the Jews, and Christians, all see as their home base, and and it started at this victory at the victory of the battle, if you want to call it a battle, of Jericho. And, and how many of y'all have ever been in a church life where you've done a Jericho march? Anybody ever done a Jericho march? A few of you have. Yeah, I, I've, I've done a couple in my life, uh, uh, and, and I love them. Uh, but it's, it's a challenge for people that aren't real, you know. It's not a challenge for non-church attenders. It's a challenge for religious people. Marching around, I did it years ago when we passed it on Sanibel, and it didn't go over big. Uh, when you get millionaires trying to stomp around the building uh, and their nice clothes out on, on the island, it was a little embarrassing for them, I think. And uh, so, oh, well, uh, this this is an embarrassing story in the Bible because it's a way that God does things. Just like it was embarrassing for Jesus to come riding on a donkey. Really? A donkey? Couldn't you have done better than a donkey? You're Jesus. You could have had a royal entourage of angels all around. I'm sure the angels were there. You just couldn't see them. Well, Joshua's going to fight a battle in a way that we would have never, no strategic person would have ever planned. And let's just start in verse uh, 1 of chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because the Israelites, no one went out and no one came in. There was a massive iron gate shut. This is a city with giant thick walls, walls so thick they had houses on them, as in Rahab's house, who lived there. This is an impenetrable fortress, and, 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 and they have total confidence in their walls. They don't know the God that tears down walls. Let this story be an illustration to you that those things in your life that are obstacles, barriers between where God wants to get you and where you are right now. You can't run from them. You have to conquer them. You can't avoid them. They stand in the way. This is the key to the rest of the promised land. They have other battles to fight. None like this one. This is a faith test for the nation of Israel. So what's the strategy? How are they going to go about conquering this impenetrable fortress of Jericho? Verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and fighting men. 
March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And with the priest blowing the trumpets. And when, the, when you hear the, the, uh, the long sound blast, verse 5, on the trumpets have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up every man straight in. What a strategy. Now, come on, be honest. If you were one of those armed warriors and you thought, how are we going to do this? Have we got ramparts to build up to get over the, no. Have you got, you know, big battering rams to tear down the door? Nope. Have you got ladders and ropes that we can climb and get over the wall? Nope. You're Let me just give you the first word towards victory in the kingdom of God and Jericho. It's the word march. You see it in the beginning of verse 3. It's seven times in this chapter. It's interesting. You see a lot of sevens in this chapter. There's seven priests who blow seven trumpets. They walk around the city seven times on the last day. There's, there's this sense of God's perfection and completion in this story. So first of all, as we look at our spiritual journey, Obviously, we're not marching around buildings, though I don't see that as wrong. When you walk your neighborhood, when you walk the street, there's nothing wrong with praying and doing prayer walks and praying for your neighbors and praying for your community. But the word march is not often thought of as a Christian word towards following Jesus. When when Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem, his troops were marching behind him. Different kind of weapons, different kind of army, different kind of king. There's a march to our walk with Jesus. And I love that concept. I mean, think about it tomorrow when you get up to go to work. How many of you, I don't want on a show of hands, but how many of you get up in a sense of purpose that you're marching into something God wants you to do? I'm not saying you're going to go to work, walk around it seven times, you'll get a raise. That's not the point. The point is get up with purpose. Get up and go to work, not because the boss wants you there, or not because you have to be there and you're the boss, but you get up and go to work because you're marching with Jesus. The Christian life is a march, and put your boots on. Some of you are going through our small group series with how we dress for spiritual warfare and the armor of God. One of the most important pieces of the armor in Ephesians 6 is the boots that that warriors wore. They were boots for footing. They were boots to protect their feet. It doesn't matter how, you know, how strong you are in other places, but if you don't have good footing, you're not going to stand in battle. And if you lose your footing, you don't have on the protection of his boots. You're not going to march. So Joshua says, we're going to march. Who's leading us? These priests, they can't fight. They blow horns. Can you imagine that? Now think about this. And as they're marching, they're actually also told not to say anything. Let, let me jump ahead in the chapter in verse, uh, verse 9. It says, The armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. So there was warriors in the front and warriors in the back, kind of like the angels of God. Wherever you go, he's watching in front, and he's got your back. These are warriors. Now, after the warriors come the trumpeters, the priest. Then there's the ark, a box. 
That's God's representation of his throne. Think of Jesus riding on the donkey is as foolish as them carrying a box like that box is going to help them. So you got warriors in the front, priests blowing trumpets, a box coming behind them. There's 600,000 armed troops in Israel. We know from other scriptures. And over a million other people. Now, I'm of the persuasion, I could be wrong, and I don't find many as I study uh, that, that come to this conclusion, but seven times in this chapter, it mentions, I'm sorry, five, uh, five or seven, I, let me get, be 100% accurate, seven times in this chapter, it mentions the people. They're not the priest, they're not the armed guards, they're the people. I think the men and the women and the children were all part of this march. I think it was, a, it, was a, it was the whole nation of Israel. So you're looking at close to two million people marching around this huge fortress. Can you imagine the sight of that? But they got babies crying. They got little kids with them. I think about that as the end of the service, our children will come in and join us. It's one of our favorite times at the vineyard. It's when our kids and they worship with us at the end and they get to watch baptism and, and hopefully you'll be able to explain to your children what's happening in this foolish act of getting wet at church in a cattle trough. I mean, we might be from somewhere. I, I mentioned towns, everybody goes, oh, you're making fun. And I'd love, I, if I could live somewhere else, I'd live out in Alva. If God would leave me alone, I love Alva. But in Alva, they look at one of these things and they go, that's a cattle trough. Here you go, oh, where'd you get the baptism tank? At the feed store, that's where you get the baptism tank. And for rednecks, it puts a sign on it that says, no diving allowed. So <laughs> just gotta be safe, we don't hurt anybody. We're not jumping in the tank and no one will push you, but you gotta make your own choice to go in there. Anyway, the, the, most of the Christian life is foolishness to the world. And this is what this story illustrates. They're walking around, what's your battle strategy? We're gonna walk around the city and these priests are gonna blow trumpets. That's it? That's it. In fact, he tells them in verse 10, he says to the people, do not give a war cry, don't raise your voices, and don't say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So not only, they can't say anything. You know how hard that would be for a person like me? I mean, we're talking. Now, you know, they're being screamed at from the wall. You think the people were being nice to them? They want to cut their heads off. What They're screaming worse than obscenities. They're screaming, mocking, jesting. Who do you think you are? How are you going to? Look at that. What a joke. You bunch of loo. You know what? I hear those voices every day, and so do you. If you try to march with Jesus, you're going to hear the mocking voices of the enemy, intimidating you're going to hear it through other people at times that don't even realize they're being used. You know, but they were told to be silent. You know, there's a time as a Christian that silence is, takes more faith than talking. Ignoring comments. Some of you could practice this on Facebook. <laughs> silence is good. Shut up with your finger. Don't get into debates. and all. You're not going to convince people over Facebook land. I don't care if they mock Jesus. He's a big boy. He can handle himself. He doesn't need you to defend him. You can represent him, though, in a way that is honorable. And sometimes you represent anybody. I'm going to just let that pass. 
I'm not going to get engaged. I'm not going to change the world by Facebook debating. Getting drawn into political debates. Getting drawn into cultural debates. Stand for Jesus and kindness, but don't get drawn. There's times as a believer that faith calls you to be silent. Noise is not always best. And, and you're going to see noise in a minute. There's, there's time to speak. And if you're silent when it's time to speak, that's as bad as speaking when you should be quiet. So learn as a believer. It's not your job to defend God. It's not your job to convince non-believers. It's our job to be kind. It's our job to share our stories. It's our job to bless. It's our job to pray. It's our job to let God. These people are learning. Every lap around that wall taught them, I'll never get that wall down. There's a hopelessness that they're being screamed at. You can never change. You're an idiot. Fear. Can you imagine the mothers with fear of all the threats being hurled on their children? And they had to walk in silence and they kept hearing these trumpets. And let me tell you something about these trumpets. They're not just noise. Trumpets in the Bible and the Old Testament started with when God came down and visited his people when Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments. The Bible says that there was a sound of a trumpet that was so loud, there was earthquakes that followed it. It was the, it was the power of the declaration of the appearing of God. It was the announcement that God is coming. When they blew the trumpets in the natural, it was to gather as a people. It was to go to war. It was to come to worship. The trumpet was a, 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 a voice, if you will, a proclamation to a nation. And so every time that trumpet was blown, something was happening in that city. I don't know all, but I know from reading in the book of Revelation, there's seven trumpets mentioned in the book of Revelation. And every time one of them blew, something big went down. You may not have understood the connection between what's going on in heaven because you didn't hear the trumpet, but you can see. If you don't think there's a trumpet blowing in Ukraine right now, there's a trumpet to us. It's not to be taken lightly with our world and, and, the, and the vulnerability of our world. With one maniac that just can't win a battle with, with fighting, he's going to hit that button. And now we're in, we're in it. I don't know. I'm not, I, I hope for not that. I don't want that. Nobody looks for that. But I'm telling you, it's coming. The trumpets blow. There are warnings. You say, why did God make them? Yes, there's the test of faith that we all have to learn to keep marching when it doesn't seem to be making any difference. There's also a warning in those trumpets to the people in that city. I'm of the persuasion that every time they blew, another person came and joined Rahab in her house. It was, a, it, was a, it was a warning shot. They blew that trumpet. Now, some had just made them more angry. Some people, when they hear the gospel, they just get mad. They get angry. They, they're defiant. That God, who's God to tell me what to do? Well, he's God. That's who he is. And the sooner you learn that, the better it's going to be in your life. These trumpets were warnings that judgment's coming. And they were hope. For those that are huddled in the house of Rahab, every time that trumpet blew, it's rescuers on their way. 
I'm not saying it was the Calvary sound, but it was Calvary. I mean, you're surrounded in this evil city with people who want to kill you, and you've got God's people surrounded, and there's deliverance coming. What a, what a powerful picture of salvation. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and they started shouting, Hosanna, which means, Lord, save us. It's a, it's a praise, but it's also a prayer. Hosanna, we need your salvation. I could hear the trumpets blowing when he wrote, wrote into that city. God's trumpets are blowing. When you read in the New Testament, you'll read about the trumpets of the Lord. It's the last trumpet and the seventh trumpet when it sounds. Christ will return. And it's giving you a picture of this. It's God's mercy waits to be kind. His judgment says now, and the Lord says, hold, hold. Why are we holding? They deserve judgment, but I want them to have mercy. Hold. They get another warning. Another trumpet blows. Hold. Another march around the city. Hold. Judgment is withheld by mercy. But there'll come a time when mercy has to relinquish and judgment comes. God doesn't delight in judgment. He delights in mercy. When those trumpets blew, hope filled the heart of Rahab. Hope filled the heart of those that came in her home. I can hear her getting, it's day six. It's uncle that hadn't come in yet. And the doors, are, come on in uncle, you just made it. Because he heard the trumpet. He had the sense, I need to be right with God. I need to go to my niece's house, Rahab. Oh, I never liked her. I thought she was an evil woman, but now I realize that she's a messenger of hope. And the trumpets blew. They kept marching around. Day seven hits. Verse, uh, 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 verse 15. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, and they marched around seven times. What if they'd only gone six on day seven? I'll tell you what happened. Nothing. The walls wouldn't have gone anywhere. Their marching didn't change the walls. Their trumpets didn't change the walls. Their shouting didn't change. Yet, without it, it wouldn't happen. In the book of Hebrews, it gives us the, one little verse, the secret to Jericho. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, it, it, where it's, it, the chapter 11 in Hebrews is all about how faith works. Faith and Abraham does this, Moses, and all by faith. In chapter 11, verse 30, it says, by faith. The walls of Jericho. Where do you see faith in this? By marching where God said march. By being quiet where God said be quiet. By blowing the trumpets where God said blow the trumpets. By going one time for six days. And on the seventh day, seven times. Now what if they just said, you know, I'm done. This isn't working for me. It's like the guy in the Old Testament he had leprosy. He wanted to get healed. And the prophet tells him, you want to get healed? You're going to go to the river and you're going to, bap, you're going to be baptized seven times. He's like, I'm not going to, that's stupid. I said, okay, keep your leprosy. God said, get down seven times. In the Old Testament, it was a test. Now, we don't do that at the vineyard, but it would be fun. One, come on, China. Two, three, four. I mean, God could have given us that. Oh, well. Guess what we'd be doing today? Seven-time baptisms. He didn't say do it seven times, but he did say do it. 
And he said, do it as a believer, not as babies. This isn't babies getting baptized because their parents want to feel better about the babies. This is believers being baptized because they're following Jesus. It doesn't make sense in the natural. It's just dipping in the water. It's just walking around the wall. It's just blowing the trumpet. Faith by faith, the walls came down. Don't miss that word. After the army had marched around them for seven days. If they'd only done it six days, no walls. If they'd have stopped on day seven on the third time around. See, we hinder God's work in our lives by those simple acts of disobedience. Not following through with what we committed to. Not honoring God in the areas that he called us to. It's not that God's holding back. It's that we're holding back. He's waiting on us to be obedient. Some of you haven't learned to sow your seed yet and honor God with your finances. And it's not that God doesn't want to bless you. You just haven't learned how to honor him and sow your seed. You haven't learned how to pray and believe God is bigger than the Jerichos in your life. People of prayer don't pray and worry about the walls. They pray to the God that tears down the walls while the people are shouting from the walls. The prayer that blows the trumpet, rattles the walls. So here you see this nation, day seven, seven times around. Now, they've been quiet. They've heard the mocking. But there comes a time, it's time to shout. Look what Joshua says, verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed so that every man charged straight in and took the city. No mention of battle, no mention of fighting. They just, one little verse, half the verse, and they went in and took the city. But 20 verses, walking around, doing all the stupid stuff that seems insignificant, helpless, and what, how am I making a difference in this world? How am I making a difference in conquering Jericho? I'll tell you how you're making a difference. You're following the Lord one step after another. You're marching, following Jesus. How's Jesus going to make a difference going into Jerusalem riding on a donkey with people waving palm branches? How's he going to make a difference without an army, without swords? Without, how's he going to change darkness? How's he going to rattle the cages of death and set the captives free? Well, he's going to die on a cross. That's why you got that palm branch weaved into a cross, just a reminder that God wins not the way the world fights. We see the way the world's fighting in Ukraine right now. We see what evil does. And the God of the Bible is a warrior too, but he fights with love and kindness, with mercy. He gives these people seven days to repent. He could have sieged the city. He didn't need the army. He didn't need the trumpets. And he didn't need their shouting. But he uses them. And he uses them in such a way that we say, Lord, thank you. My simple prayers made a powerful difference. My simple act of obedience of inviting that friend to come to church. We had a couple here in our last service. They live in a mobile home park that was hit by the tornado in Fort Myers. And they've been being kind to their trailer, to their mobile home park. Being kind, just kind to people, loving on them. They had 10 people 
from the park in church this morning and filled up two whole rows. If we were Baptists, we'd have had a pack of pew day and they'd have won an award. And we don't have pews and we're not Baptists, but, and we don't have an award, but we gave them a free breakfast. Uh, but, but don't tell them, we give that to everybody. But anyway, <laughs> what all they've been doing is they've been kind to people. They're walking around that mobile home park being kind and the walls are coming down. People are coming to Jesus. And they're just being kind. They're showing now, does that mean everybody agrees with them and everybody, no. But you've got to follow the Lord where he leads you. And those walls will come down. And when he says shout, now listen to me. God makes us, gives us the capacity to be loud. But you can be loud and be very unspiritual, even in church. Somebody can go, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And they could be a million miles from Jesus. They're just loud. Loud doesn't equal spiritual. But silent doesn't equal spiritual either. You can be quiet and full of arrogance and pride and rebellion. I'm not going to sing because it feels foolish. That's not humility. That's not reverence. Reverence isn't about the volume level. It's about the heart level. You can scream and be reverent. I've been in it. Some of you, listen to me. Here's a good test for your lung capacity. How, in proportion, how many times have you screamed at somebody else, passionate anger, versus where you've shouted and used that volume to honor God, to say, glory a Dios, to say, hallelujah, to say, whoa, proportion. I'm not asking you to give me the answer. You figure it out. You say, well, I'm. I hadn't hollered at anybody. Okay. Does that, that doesn't solve the problem. That's good. That's being, learning to, to keep your mouth shut, silent, not being rude. I think of the, all the times I screamed at my kids. And screaming at your children never helps them become better children. They don't go, okay, dad, I'll be a better daughter now that you screamed at me. And green soup came out of your mouth and your head spun on your shoulders. I'll be obedient now. You know, the Bible says the anger of humans never produces God's righteousness. The times I've screamed at my wife and hollered at her, those are sad moments to me because God gave me the capacity to be loud, not to be harsh, but to be holy, to give shouts to the Lord, to preach his word, to be a trumpet for Jesus. He he didn't make me to to be a a trumpet for Jamie's anger or my opinions or screaming at others that have a different opinion. God gave us our abilities to be used for his glory. So I just say this this morning. They shouted when God said shout. I'm telling you over the years, some of my best experiences with God, no one's been around and I've just let out. Sometimes it's been in the car. Sometimes it could be out of pain, but it's not a shout to get something. It's a shout that you've already been given something. It's a shout of victory. It's a triumphant shout of, yes, Lord. When you stand publicly and say yes to Jesus, that's a shout. You don't have to raise your volume because all the universe reverberates. You talk about a trumpet blast. When one simple person stands and says, I say yes to Jesus as Lord, we're talking thunderous effect, much louder than anybody screaming. It's, the, it's what's behind the words, releases power in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the kingdom of God, and it shakes and rattles the darkness. God's 
shout. When he said shout, the walls come down and Rahab comes out. And this is our journey as a church. We want to see Jesus and follow him and become more and more like him, which is a battle. I'm not wired to be like King Jesus. He's a different kind of king. I want to come in, to, I want to come in and do business with swords. You mock Jesus, whoosh, heads off, rolling right on the ground. Bet you won't do that again, will you? That's what I'd want to fight. I'd sign up for that. But I'm going to sign up and wave palm branches and follow a donkey? Come on, that's a different kind of king. That's a humble king. Now, he's going to get on a white horse. And you read the book of Revelation. At the end, he, he didn't return on a donkey. And he doesn't return with a palm branch. He comes with a sword that's his truth, his word, the power, and defeats his enemies. Now, will it be a literal horse or not? I don't know. My sister-in-law is convinced that she's raising the horses that Jesus is going to ride when he returns. And they're white horses, and they're beautiful. What kind are they? Van, Van or Hort. They're huge. They're like a Clydesdale, but not quite. And so they maybe they are Jesus's. Or what a way to take your, your, your life and, and have that kind of purpose to it. That, that you invest in your children because you know Jesus has purposes for them. You, in, you, you do your work the best you can do. Not because of the, the boss or because of the, but you do it because Jesus is watching and, and you're marching with him. You're not giving up. You, some of you have just laid down. You say, I'm not doing another lap around this city. It's going nowhere, and nothing's ever going to change. That's the lie that cripples Christians. Look what's happened. Nothing. What difference has your prayers made? Nothing. What difference has it made that you've been reading about? Nothing. It's got worse. Keep on marching. That's my word to you this morning. Because deliverance is coming. The shout's coming. When you get to go, yes, Lord, I'll never forget my best friend I grew up with. Uh, I almost referenced down here his uh, sister-in-law comes to the first service, Terry. But Scott and I went to, to school since second grade together. And, and I had a chance to witness to him. And I was in seminary. And he called me. And he said, Jamie, I, I, I need to give my heart to Jesus. And I've been witnessing to him. And, and uh, I said, buddy, let, let's, let's pray together. And I led him in prayer over the phone. And he was here in uh, Fort Myers. I was in Jacksonville. And I got up and I went into my seminary class that, that he had a neat night class. And I walked in the class and I was a little late. And the professor was just, and I screamed, hallelujah. There was no joy in that class. They didn't. And, and, you know, that's sad because Christians, can be, we can become so uptight. And so, and I'm, they're like, well, I just said, hey, I just had to praise God, my best friend. I just got to lead my best friend to Jesus. Now, I've screamed at sporting events, and I've screamed at all kinds of things. But there's times that God deserves. When Jesus rode in on that horse, they were screaming. Oh, they weren't like this. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hallelujah. Hosanna. Hosanna. No, you gotta, you gotta shake that stuff off. And again, you can scream, and it's a notice me scream. That's not any better. But when your words are filled with faith, when the trumpet blast blows, there's a shaking going on. 
Your words may not seem like much, but when, you, when they're filled with faith and you speak against darkness and you speak against evil, and you speak against the oppression that's coming on you, your words are filled with the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't seem like much on that horse, but he was the most powerful being in the universe. He didn't have to prove it. He knew who he was. He came in humility to die. And through that death, which we'll celebrate on Good Friday, but we celebrate now, so that through his sacrifice, he can give eternal life. He defeated all the powers of hell and darkness by the act of loving surrender on a cross. That's Jesus. He's a different kind of king. He's my king. Is he your king? Have you said yes to him? Let's pray. You know, it's saying yes to Jesus isn't voting on him. Uh, he is king. We don't need to campaign for him. We don't need to vote on him. He doesn't, he's not looking for your vote. He's looking for your life. He's looking for you to say yes to him being your king, your Lord. He comes gently, just like he did, but there'll come a day where he'll come in, in great power. But right now he comes in love gently and knocks you can resist him you can say no that's a terrible obligation or responsibility that god leaves it in your hands to say yes to him or to say no that god would allow us to resist him is both mercy and a terrible responsibility the mercy is is that god's not going to force you but he knocks on the door it says, if you'll open, I'll come in. That's, that's a different kind of king. But when he comes in, he comes in to vanquish the lies that have held you captive and the lies that tell you that he doesn't love you and doesn't care about you, the lies that say that you'll never be any different, you can't change, the lies that say, well, you're not that bad, but you're empty. You, you don't have that sense of joy and personal relationship with Christ that he wants. So this is your day. Maybe this is your day. This Palm Sunday. As the king comes into the room, comes in gentleness, and he just offers to you. Maybe you've heard that trumpet blast, and maybe you realize that this is your day. So just whisper that prayer to him. Say, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. I don't care how many times you've been to church or haven't been. I don't care how much you know about the Bible. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you, a personal, intimate relationship. Have you said yes to him? And if you haven't, then just where you're seated right now, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. Come be my king. He'll conquer every Jericho that you have to face as you follow him and march after him. Lord, would you bless in this time of uh, ministry and and, and worship, Lord, and we just welcome your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. And if you're being baptized, just the individual that's being baptized, if you'll make your way over here to Pastor Kim and uh, on this side. And if you'll stand. Our children are going to come in. Shh. Listen to me. The children are going to come in. And I want to give an opportunity. If you prayed that prayer with me. And this is your day to say yes to Jesus as your King and Lord. I want you to just hold up your hand. I'll recognize you. And you just say, I say yes to Jesus as my Lord.
take what you did personally. This is your shout of faith to say yes to Jesus as your Lord. Let me see your hand if that's something that you want to do this morning. Just raise it up. I want to say yes to Jesus this morning. This is my day. Don't worry about who's here and who's not here. This is between you and Jesus. Hey, guys, welcome. Did you guys get any Tic Tacs on the way in? Can't open them yet, though. Don't open them. Shh. Just give it, give it. I just feel like there's several that want to do that this morning. Before we get to the baptisms, these folks have already done that, and they're getting baptized, and we're going to celebrate them and be good. It's going to be fun. Okay? Anybody want to make that stand? Now, those of you that have loved ones being baptized, when it comes their turn, feel free. You can come up if you feel like you'd like to do that, and you can join them. What we'll do is we'll, we'll baptize them, and then uh, uh, we'll pray over them. And as a church, you can put out your hand. You don't have to. Again, it feels full. It, you almost can go by this in the kingdom. If it feels a little foolish and costs you your pride, it's probably Jesus. Now, you don't have to hold out your hand, but we do, and the children will. And then we're going to have a big celebration uh, afterwards. Jennifer and Diane with a D. Good. New beginnings. New beginnings. Let's stretch out our faith for Jennifer and Diane. In the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried like Christ raised in the likeness of his resurrection in Jesus name come on come on yeah now we're going to pray over him so we got our prayer team over here come get around them and bless them Lord Lord next two come on in come on in Come on, bless them, Jesus. Matt and Dominic, Father, Son, come on. This is why we do what we do. Come on. Hey, Charles. You can say it to him, but let her say it, then do them together. Go ahead. It's a Matthew and Dominic. So you say Matt. Because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried like Christ, raised in the likeness of his resurrection power in Jesus' name. Yeah, Matthew and Dominic, come on. Come on, all the way. Yeah, baby, come on. Come on. Come, Lord. Lord, just put, touch them, Lord. Come on, Lord. Capture them for your purposes, Lord. 
Father, Son. Thank you, Lord. Whole household, whole household. New beginnings, washed, clean. Bless them, Jesus. Bless them, Jesus. Hallelujah. say both this is Maria and Ray Ramos glory adios Maria and Ray I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost buried like Christ and raised in the likeness of his resurrection power in Jesus name. Amen. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Glory adios. Glory adios. Oh, Jesus, come Lord. New beginnings, new beginnings, Lord. Wash them. Come on. This is Caleb and Josh. Father, son. Come on, this family. Remember we're praying for household salvation? That's what this is right here. This household. Come on. Household salvation. Josh and Caleb. So you'll pronounce Joshua and Caleb. Because of your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You'll be buried like Christ was buried and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Yeah, come on. Come on. Bless him, Lord. Put your hand on him, Jesus. Come, Lord. Yes, put your hand on Josh. Come on, let's pray over him. This Father, Son, right over here, Rick, get on them. Paul and Danielle, husband and wife, household salvation, come on. Husband and wife. Danielle and Paul, because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ, raised in his resurrection power, 
in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on. New beginnings, family. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill them, Jesus. Fill them. Let the power of God come. Let the power of God come on them. Anoint them, Lord, as harvesters. Anoint them as evangelists in your kingdom, Lord. Capture them. This Pastor Charles and Anel's little girl. Camila. We're going to do her by herself because she's getting to honor Pastor's daughter. Camila. Come on, stretch out your faith. There's a special grace for Pastor Kids. Come on, go ahead. Here, put this. Come on. Yeah. Glory adios. is Skylar and Lacey. So stretch out your hands. This is Skylar. And that's Lacey over there. All right. Pastor Kim. Skylar and Lacey, because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried like Christ, raised in the likeness of his resurrection power, in Jesus' name. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Woo! Now remember, even if you didn't plan on it, if you want to get baptized, come on down. The water's fine. Jeannie and Rachel. Come on. Stretch out your faith. Come on, church. This is dead bones rattling right here, baby. This is resurrection. Only Jesus does this. Jeannie and Rachel. Jeannie and Rachel, because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried like Christ, raised in the likeness of his resurrection power in Jesus' name. Come on, come on. New beginnings. Got her all the way, baby. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Stretch out your faith here. Bless them, Lord. Bless them.
Loic and Leela, household, come on, come on. And the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ, raised in the likeness of His glory, in Jesus' precious name. Come on, come on. Yeah, bless them, Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless these kids, Lord. Fill them with your power and your fire. Charles. So Charles and Macy with an M. Charles and Macy. Macy, you love Jesus, don't you? All right. Charles, we're, we're going to baptize both of you. Charles and Macy. Charles and Macy, because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You'll be buried like Christ, raised in the likeness of his resurrection in Jesus' name. Bless him, Lord. Bless him all the way. Bless him, Lord. Come on. Fill him, Lord. Fill him. Touch that body. Strengthen him, Lord. Renew him. Capture her as a young daughter of yours, Jesus. Come on. Come on. What a way to get baptized in a, in a white dress. But everyone that got baptized, you came out in a white garment, new, blessed. I think we need to worship. 